Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the great man, Mitchell Maurer. I pulled him off the bench late on a Saturday night to record a weekend pod with me because I think the game we just watched was certainly worth talking about. The Bucks went down ultimately to the Mavericks, 136-132 in overtime. It was a pretty damn entertaining game. Maybe a little bit frustrating towards the end. The Bucks held a late lead in regulation and probably should have won this one, but a couple of good looks didn't go down. We can get into that in just a little bit. But Mitchell, how you doing? Are you holding up after? Oh, I'm doing. I'm I'm holding up okay. I'm doing okay. I uh, the Bucks are one and three in their last four in the bubble, which is frustrating, but. Uh, uh, let's just say that the timeline that I see on Twitter is a lot more negative than I am, at least right now, which uh, I don't know if that says something about me or that says something about the general state of Bucks Twitter, but uh, I'm doing okay. How are you holding up? Oh, I'm well. I, it would be hard for me to be any more relaxed about these games if I tried, and I don't know whether that's a bad thing, but I, I just in general, there's certain little things that I'm looking for from these Bucks games, and um, yeah, I mentioned this uh, on the pod the other day, but during the Miami game, I did speak about when would be the time to panic if you're a Bucks fan. And at halftime, I was starting to think, geez, this is starting to look a little bit rough, particularly defensively. But the fact that they turned it on the way they did in the second half has pretty much relaxed me throughout. And there's not much that could happen in these bubble games that would concern me anymore because it did appear that uh, they still have that switch that they can flip. But... This is the second game now where they've held a significant lead late in the game and haven't been able to win. Obviously, that happened against the Rockets. This game, they led 119 to 112 when Bledsoe pulled up for a mid-range jump shot with 228 left in the game. So a seven-point lead. That's really a position that you should win. The two games that they've lost, Houston and Dallas, uh, maybe the two highest-powered offense teams in the league. So it's, it's not, not a surprise that they can cut into a gap uh, super quickly. But what did you see in the last two minutes here? Because I will say that it did seem like a significantly different ending to, in, in this game compared to what we saw in Houston. Yeah, I think the biggest difference between the Dallas loss and the Houston loss is that against Houston, the Bucks had more control and they kind of just fumbled it away because mm-hmm. of a series of poor decisions and mistakes. And in the case of Dallas, the Mavericks just kind of took control. It wasn't that Milwaukee lost it. It was that Dallas won it. Uh, We don't need to get too far into the Luka love fest that I would be happy to get into (laughs) if you have the time because he was absolutely astounding this evening. But Luka in the pick and roll in the Dallas system that prioritizes space and putting up threes, like they're a historically good, historically efficient offense. Like they're designed to score points in bunches. And Dorian Finney-Smith had a great night. He hits a three to bring that deficit from 
seven points to four with a minute 49 left. And then Brooke Lopez misses a three on the other way. And all of a sudden, Chris Tapps makes two free throws off of a Giannis foul. And then Luca draws a foul and, and makes a couple of free throws himself. And right then, the, the lead evaporates. Uh, we had talked a little bit uh, the last time about uh, the Bucks' need to get a little bit more practice with those late-game situations, like how to generate shots when it's actually a close game. Because in the regular season, Milwaukee hasn't had close games very often. Uh, and they still, they, still need the, they still need those reps. The, the only way to get those reps is live in the field when there's actually, you know, NBA refs on the court and the game actually counts in the standings. And they just they, – they got that seven-point lead and then they just didn't score enough to stave off overtime. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, for me, when I compare these two games, and this is why I'm feeling a lot better about this one than I was Houston. Again, not that it really mattered. This was the Bucks really easing into the bubble play in that game against the Rockets. But turnovers, they were brutal turnovers that cost the Bucks the game against the Rockets. I really liked the offense that the Bucks were able to run down the stretch here. Now, unfortunately, they just needed one bucket and everything would have changed and they would have won this game and we would have said, well... This is great. The Bucks closed down the stretch. Fantastic. They've closed out Boston. They've closed out Miami. And now they've closed out Dallas in close games. Everything's on track. We're looking pretty good. We're happy about this. Unfortunately, Brooke Lopez missed a really, really good look at a hook shot. And we'll, we'll talk about Brooke in just a, a little bit. He was absolutely fantastic tonight, particularly in the second mm-hmm. quarter. Uh, but he misses that really good look after the game. We just got the chance to speak to him. He was, uh, I think it was Eric Name that was asking him about that hook shot. And Brooke was shaking his head before he even finished the question. He was so frustrated that he missed that look. But he said, this is what I've made my career on, knocking down that shot. That's a fantastic shot. And I know that next time, hopefully that one will go down. But I, I just can't lose any sleep over that because it's, that's exactly what we wanted to run. We got exactly what we wanted. And then down the stretch, after we had the challenge where uh, there was a foul called on Giannis. It was very clearly on Chris Middleton. Giannis stays in the game. The scores are tied at 119-119. Giannis runs a pick and roll with George Hill. He pops back to the uh, three-point line. Again, we've seen the Bucks use the pick and roll late in games uh, with great effect, whether it's Chris and Giannis. This time it's Chris and George Hill. George Hill popped back wide open, wide open three-point shot. Hill, so Hill, wide open. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't get any more wide. And we saw Hill make a pretty big corner three earlier in the fourth quarter. Uh, he misses it, and the game goes to overtime. So, you know, if I if I can take a step away, and you know, yeah, you want to win every game. This would have been a fun one to win overall because Dallas are a, a really good team, and this was a a fun game to watch. But those two opportunities in particular, they're great looks. It's great execution. You get what you wanted, and they just didn't fall down. And you know what? This this game. What does it mean if the Bucks didn't win it? Nothing in terms of the standing, nothing in terms of playoff matchups. You're probably not going to see Dallas again regardless. Uh, you would love to, for them to knock down, uh, to be knocked down and go in and you win. But as long as the execution is there, then I can walk away satisfied from that. Yeah, and I think that at least on offense, to your point, like you got the looks that you wanted and they just didn't drop. That hook shot from Brooke, you know, if that falls, it's all of a sudden it's a four-point game instead of a two-point game and that completely changes it. George Hill's missed three came with three seconds left on the clock in the fourth quarter. That would have been, you know, it would have been a highlight on sports center. We would all move on with our lives instead of doing, you know, five minutes of (laughs) overtime and Dallas leaping out to a six point lead seemingly right away. But I do think that, yeah, this doesn't matter in the standings. It doesn't matter for playoff matchups. And it truly doesn't even really matter 
on the grand scale for the defense, like, you know, Mike Budenholzer's defensive scheme is what it is and clearly has cornered the market on something that the Bucks are able to benefit from because they're able to seal off the rim so well and limit free throws so well. But I think that at least in this game, I don't think it was as prevalent in the other recent games where the Bucks have struggled. But in this game, there was a lot of what seemed to me, at least in the moment, I'm not sure if it was an execution issue or maybe they were actually doing the assignment and they were asked to overhelp on uh, Mavericks players when they got the ball in close to the lane. And it just it left a lot more space for Dallas's shooters who were already able and willing. Uh, it just gave them even more space. Like Dorian Finney-Smith went 6-12, and I, I wonder if even one or two of those rotations is handled a little bit differently if one of those made threes turns into a miss, and that, you know, just like any of the missed free throws that the Bucks had in this game, that could have changed the entire outcome of it. So that's the only thing that I would take away in terms of being a somewhat important outcome of the game, at least for, you know, for the Bucks and their their film sessions. and. And coaching discussions is is whether or not the overhelp is going to be a problem in the playoffs. But we also aren't necessarily going to see any teams in the Eastern Conference that are built quite like these Mavericks are. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, the two teams with Dallas and Houston, again, that you point to that the Bucs aren't going to see. There isn't really a team like them. Uh, in the Eastern Conference because we saw in the Miami game the other night, while they're, they have a bunch of really deadly shooters, none more so than Duncan Robertson, they don't have that point of attack playmaker that the Rockets have with uh, not only Harden, but Russell Westbrook and with the Mavericks, mm-hmm. Luka Doncic. And we saw it tonight. I mean, they, that guy is just an absolute wizard. He had 19 assists on the night. And when you talk about the overhelp, um, th- th- this was the difference for mine with the Bucks defense because early in the game, the help wasn't there so much. And he was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to put a little fake around the back or I'll do a little hesitation move and I'm going to score in the paint. The Mavericks scored 54 points in the paint in this game, which is uh, unheard of against the Bucs. The Bucs were only given up 27 points in the paint in the bubble coming into this one. And we know it's a number in the 30s across the regular season. I mean, they just don't give up 54 points in the paint. So I, I think that the defense was scrambled a little bit to start. And, uh, you know, it's worth noting, if you're going to play Dallas, you're going to have to score a bunch of points because this is the best offensive team in the league. And we saw exactly why Luka Doncic is, is just absolutely unbelievable. And uh, it's also, with the, with the Mavericks threes, they got up 53 on the night. Coming into this game, they were second among teams in the bubble with 42 attempts per game. They were only shooting 31%. So tonight, they only go 32%. Unfortunately, three of those came in overtime uh, when they were able to really... Uh, create a little bit of separation from the Bucs and get a, a nine-point lead, I believe it was at one point, before the Bucs were able to make another little run, but ultimately fall short. Yeah, and uh, and I, I think that we can honor uh, Frank Madden, who isn't on the pod tonight, but at some point <laughs> we're going to have to talk about Giannis's free throws. I hate to be the one to bring it up, but Milwaukee goes 23 of 34 from the free throw line, and no other... Milwaukee player missed more than one free throw. Giannis missed seven. He went seven of 14 from the foul line. I think, didn't he miss like five or six in a row? Seven. In the first, <laughs> it was, it was, oh, so all seven of his misses were in that stretch then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I know that he, uh, he, he took, uh, he took some, some contact, some contact down under, pardon the pun, 
that uh, that in definitely the seemed to throw him off a little. Hitting the Wallabies, uh, it seemed to throw him off a little bit. Something was off with Giannis after, uh, whether it was the free throws or you know getting hit in the crotch or something. Something was just not quite right, like it toward in the middle parts of the game with Giannis. But those seven missed free throws are they're huge. There's and three of them were airballed, which is. Even if you're not Frank Madden, it's absolutely frustrating and and, and drives you crazy. Uh, and it just goes to show you like how close these things are. If one of those free throws just grazes enough of the front rim to bounce in, you know, all of a sudden it's uh, you know it's a one point uh, benefit for Milwaukee, and this game could turn out totally differently. It's uh, yeah. It, it, you hate to see one slip away, but you know you take what you can from it and you move on. That's probably the the best way to go about it. Yeah, it was the way he was missing as well. I think he had three air balls, and it was it was kind of his shot was just all over the place. We've seen him go through stretches, and we could talk about his free throw routine routine all night long. Uh, in many respects, we're probably lucky Frank isn't here. And I can't guarantee, I can't confirm or deny whether Frank is not here specifically because of those seven free throws. I'm going to leave that up to the listeners to decide to make come to their own conclusion with that. But I, I can't imagine what he was going through during that stretch. But air balls, super short. Some were really flat. Some had a, a lot of uh, loft, a lot of uh, arc on them. It was a, a, a night that we've actually kind of, hoped that we'd moved on from but again it was a nice little reminder that uh listen this is going to be something to be a little bit concerned about the funny thing is once he got back on track he knocked down two clutch free throws in the overtime that that brought the bucks right back in it before luca had that ridiculous between the legs uh, oh pass, man in the pick and roll and I, that and, and oh, that, finished the that game. was so filthy well the bucks had come back from nine points to get it back to two and it was that play uh that that ended it and, and really put a stop to that momentum that the bucks had going again. Giannis finished all up with 34 points in 33 minutes, so another big scoring night. 13 rebounds. Only the one assist. He did have five blocks, though, and did foul out in the end. I asked Giannis about fouls, and I, I tweeted about this, and Giannis scares me in, in a lot of ways with the way he attacks certain situations. Uh, he was... To me, he seemed like he was a little bit frustrated, a little bit pissed off after the game, just in general, the fact that they lost. And this is nothing new. He's, he's always frustrated after the Bucs lose. But I asked him about the free throws in general and where the players, because we've seen free throw rate across the league go through the roof in the bubble. So I asked him whether players are, are struggling to adjust to the way the games are being called and why there's so many foul calls and him personally, how he's seeing uh, this foul trouble and how he works through that. And he basically, he didn't give me a lot, let's be honest. He, he basically just shook his head and said, no, I'm not worried about the fouls. Tonight, they weren't silly fouls. Uh, I thought there was one that was a silly foul. And you can call it great hustle. And Giannis is never going to stop doing this. And I tweeted that this is why we love him and this is why he's so great. But it's also why he's a little bit terrifying. Because he got fouled on the other end and he was really frustrated. He was out of picture for a long, long, long time. And then Bazingas went up for a dunk and Giannis came flying in at full speed trying to block Bazingas at the rim. It would have been the most insane block just about in the history of the game if he had got it. Instead, he flies almost uh, horizontal in the air and lands on his arms. And listen, I don't need to tell Bucks fans about what can happen in that scenario. And it was, it was, it's terrifying to see Giannis in those positions. And that's why, you know, at times 
as much as it makes him great, you wish that he could just control those emotions just a, just a fraction so he doesn't put himself in dangerous positions. Yeah, you do. It's, it's kind of hard to prescribe behavior when you're not in that situation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to prescribe behavior no matter what the situation is. But with the amount of contact that he takes, just by virtue of the type of game that he plays, he takes more contact than the average player. That's just, that's just a given. Yeah. And no, refs are not going to call every single thing that could be a foul because if they did, the game would still be going on. We'd probably still be in the first half if that was the way that the game was called. And it's not. And, and players know that. But it's, it's the, with Giannis in particular, and it's been this way ever since he reached that star status, it's the inconsistency of how the calls happen, even in the same game. And it's that inconsistency has got to be so frustrating because if you're Giannis, you have no idea what to expect on a drive where somebody shuffles his feet and gets in front of you and, you, you know, you, you put your shoulder into him because that's what you're doing to try to protect your body and still try to go up for the shot attempt. And it gets called a charge when, you know, the, the defender was moving into you and it was definitely a block. And, you know, Mike Budenholzer doesn't have infinite challenges to use. You can't try to overturn all of them. And so just, just with that type of dynamic alone, the only thing you can do is, you know, just put your head down and, and move on to the next one. But everybody has got a limit. and Everybody is going to be able to take on so much. And then you add in, you know, the, the hacking, the swiping, you know, how many scratches does Giannis end up on his arms? <laughs> I know there was, a, there was a post game not too long ago where Giannis just all he did in response to a question about the number of fouls that he maybe should have gotten. Uh, all he did was count the scratches on his arms to answer. And that's all you have to say. Um, he is an unprecedented player in this era of the league. And the refs are human. They're going to make mistakes. And I think they just make more mistakes when it comes to refereeing a game that Giannis is in. And, you know, he just he lost his cool a little bit more than he Not nearly as much as he did against uh, Dante Hall in the, uh, in the next game necessarily. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's a fiery competitor. He's never going to give up. And, uh, and yeah, this is, if this is the downside, if this is the worst part of the Giannis Adetokounmpo experience, I will gladly take it. Well, that's, that's just, to be clear, I just don't want to see him get hurt. That's all. I know foul that you look back and say, oh, he probably didn't need to do that. I mean, we know the, the way that he's officiated. I, I've been on record all the time. I can't believe that he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt in those situations. But I just don't want to see him get hurt in a situation like that because uh, quite clearly the Bucks cannot afford that. But we've gone far too long before we really knuckled down and spoke about Brooke Lopez tonight. He was fantastic. 34 points, very clearly a season high. A Bucks high as well. He topped that game that he had in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. I think he had 28 in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals when he carried the Bucks home against the Raptors, but 34 points tonight. He had seven rebounds, a couple of blocks, six for 12 from three, and he had 21 points in the second quarter. The Bucks actually went, uh, that run, the, the bulk of that 21-point run came when Giannis exited the game with the Bucks trailing 54-52 to 52 with 3.39 left in the first half. Brook Lopez went absolutely nuts in that stretch. The Bucks finished the half on a 19-8 to eight run. This version of Brook Lopez and what we've seen in the bubble has been unbelievable offensively. Not only the shooting, 
the touch inside, the the willingness to demand the ball in the post. Bud and the Bucks are clearly looking for him. They've added this even more into the offense. We saw it a little bit through the season. But Brook Lopez has by far been the biggest positive for Milwaukee so far. He has. He really has. And I think this is a crucial difference if you consider the lead up to last year's playoffs and this year's playoffs, because they didn't have this version of Brooke Lopez last year. Yeah. He was the same person. He was the same player in terms of his capabilities, but he just, he wasn't flexing those muscles last year. He wasn't being asked to produce points out of the posts. Um, he, he had been in a little bit of a shooting slump over the course of the regular season before the shutdown. And it's really, really great to see uh, him benefiting from, uh, I'm not sure if it, you can call it home court advantage, but the Disney court advantage <laughs> that he and his brother are enjoying. But last year, when it was all about let it fly and you know just space around Giannis, and they almost wanted to turn Brook Lopez into almost like a three and D center, where all he wanted to do, all he needed to do, in order to maximize Giannis and maximize the Bucks' offense, was to hang out the three point line. And this is a totally different thing. It gives the Bucks a totally different wrinkle. And as we saw in the comeback against Miami, because he did the same thing, and as we saw with the points in the Houston game where the Bucks were able to capture momentum and take the lead, it was because they were able to shift gears and get him the ball against mismatches, against smaller players in the post. Because he does have not just that great touch, but he's also got great physicality. Like, he's seven foot and... What Lee's listed at what two sixty five or two seventy? He's a massive, massive human, and he's able to score over just about anybody. And none of the defenders that Dallas threw at him tonight had an answer for him in the second quarter, especially. And it's it's something that the Bucks just didn't have in their toolkit last year. And I think that that is going to come in handy in the playoffs. So I'm really glad that we're getting a chance to see it during this uh, these last stretches of the regular season. Well, it's really important because we spoke about it all last season and we didn't know how this was going to play out in regards to, we know teams are going to try and go small against the Bucs. And last year it was to get Brook Lopez off the three-point line. He was such a weapon defensively. If you can get him off the court and, and force Milwaukee to play without that defensive anchor, then you're winning the matchup battle. You're winning those lineups. That was something we saw at times last year. And the Bucs, a lot of the times, didn't seem like they had much of a counter for that. This year, I thought that part of this has been the fact that Brook Lopez has struggled from three so much. We know last year he was up at 37%, this year 29% uh, on the season before tonight. But his three-point attempts per game have gone down from 6.3 to 4.6, and his field goal attempts have stayed flat, exactly the same, which means that he's getting more two-point looks, which means they're looking for him more in the post. They've looked to uh, take advantage of those mismatches and leave him out on the floor when other teams go small. That's what I love, that they've said, okay, let, let's try some things here. Let's see what we can do and not just instantly think, well, we have to get him off the floor because they're going to take advantage mm-hmm. of him. And as a result, you've seen his free throw uh, attempts per game go up from 1.6 to 2.2. But in the bubble, his free throw attempts are at 5.5 per game. Uh, he's getting to the free throw line. And he is identifying those mismatch, mismatches and de- demanding the ball. And the Bucs are quickly identifying that. And we saw him in the second quarter. Uh, yes, it, this is going to be really important with Giannis off the floor, which we saw. But uh, I just think that it's been a significant change. And it's been even more amplified since the bubble play started. And this is what you need to see from this Bucs team. You need to see different ways of how they're going to score. 
Yeah, you do. And and something else that I actually just thought of, it was something that I noted on Twitter in the, the post-game period when, you know, everybody in, on Bucks Twitter is asking, what's wrong? How do you fix this? The sky is falling, this and that. Not the sky is not falling, but you know, some people are more worried than others. Yeah. But I think that those mismatches that Brooke is hunting against smaller players is also in the playoffs going to allow another player who we haven't really talked about yet another player is going to eventually be able to find those mismatches on the perimeter. And that's Eric Bledsoe. He is still coming back from his lengthy absence and his late arrival in the bubble. And I don't know exactly how many minutes he played off the top of my head, but I know that he hasn't had, like he's not playing without restrictions uh, just quite yet, as far as I know. And, you know, he's, he's just not in his groove yet. He hasn't, you know, come all the way back and been settled in. But when Brooke is matched up against a smaller guy, that means that there's a bigger guy somewhere else on the floor. And if Eric Bledsoe gets an opportunity to blow past a larger defender in order to put pressure on the rim and create a shot for himself or create a shot for a teammate, that's also a weapon that as long as he is you know, on the floor and able to make those contributions, that's also something that Milwaukee is going to significantly benefit from. Yeah, Bledsoe tonight actually played 30 minutes. So, I mean, he's right up there now. He's, that's, I mean, that, again, that's above... Uh, what he would normally play or what he normally averaged during the regular season. And uh, six for 10 overall from the field, but six for seven on two-point attempts. I thought he did exactly what you're pointing to, Mitchell. He was able to uh, drive, penetrate, get to the free throw line as well, three for four at the line. So I thought great signs from Eric Bledsoe tonight uh, with his 15 points. Just quickly to note the three-point numbers for Brooke Lopez. I, I did look this up. In every NBA venue that is not in Orlando this season, Brooke Lopez is 78 for 273 from three. That's 28.5%. In venues that are in Orlando, and this includes the two games against the Magic during the regular season, and now these five games in the bubble, he's 16 for 34, 47%. Brooke Lopez is getting the Disney push, the Orlando push, the Orlando bump. He's three-point shooting. Uh, you know, I, I don't expect it to stay at 47, to be clear. But we've said all along, in the postseason, last year he was down at 29%. If Brook Lopez can push that three-point percentage up to the mid-30s during the playoffs and be that threat in the post, uh, it changes everything for the Bucks. And one other, while we're running through numbers, one other thing to take note of, Chris Middleton tonight, uh, again, just, just super efficient. Eight for 12. Uh, from the field, two for three from the three-point line. Perfect at the free-throw line. 11 assists and six rebounds as well. Five turnovers, a little too much. We've seen him turn the ball over a bit uh, too much since the the, uh, bubble has returned. So we hope that that number starts to drop. But as far as 50, 40, 90 goes, he's up to 49.9% on field goal. Right there. He's climbed back up. He he dropped all the way back down to uh, 49.6 there. Yeah, yeah, it was close. It's getting close, but we've got what? We, there's three bubble games left. Uh, I know there's a, there's a Monday, there's a Monday, a Tuesday, and a Thursday. I don't remember exactly who's again. One of them is coming up against Toronto. I know that's a big deal. And then it's the uh, what's it? The Wizards and Grizzlies to close it out. Exactly. But uh, he he is right there. I will. I would love nothing more than Chris Middleton after getting that max contract that so many people complained about. And so many people saying, oh, you're losing Malcolm Brogdon so you can pay Chris. You can't replace what Brogdon gives you. I mean, if Chris hits literally 50-40-90 to replace <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon's 50-40-90, that's just, it's too sweet. It's too sweet to see it happen that way. It would be fitting. So any, uh, any final takeaways? Let me spit that out. Any final takeaways from this game tonight? Um, 
the one other thing I, I will actually mention, because this was super noteworthy, we talk about Brook Lopez and, and minutes. So just a comparison for minutes for both teams. And remembering that Dallas uh, is playing for seeding. They're playing for uh, where they will fit. It looks like they're probably going to stay in seven. But uh, nonetheless, these wins are very important for them. Uh, Luka Doncic on the night played nearly 42 minutes. Uh, Chris Dapps played 40-plus. Dor- uh, Dorian Finney-Smith played 43. So the Mavericks starters were all pushing up around 40. Chris Middleton topped the Bucks with 36. Giannis only 33. Uh, Bledsoe only 30. So, I mean, the minutes disparity is there. Brooke Lopez played 34 minutes and 46 seconds, which is actually a season high for him. His season average oh, was wow. around 26. So he played a season high in minutes tonight. He sat out the last four minutes in overtime. And I asked Bud specifically about that and whether that was a, a minutes thing, whether it was a matchups thing, why was Brook not on the floor in the last four minutes? And Bud said, uh, the competitive juices are flowing and everyone wants to win, but I think a little bit of my task is to look at the big picture, conserve Brook and keep him in a good place. We want to be here a long time. We want to be healthy. And I was like, you know what? That's, uh, that's pretty good perspective there. It should be the surprise to no one that the Bucs are putting health ahead of wins right now in these games. Uh, and you know, it's just a reminder that Giannis played 10 minutes fewer than Luka Doncic tonight. Brook Lopez was purposely kept on the bench in the final minutes despite having a monster night uh, overall for that reason. The Bucks are planning on being here for a long time, and I just simply cannot fault that. No, neither can I. Not, not even a little bit. Um, and it kind of goes back to the fact that the Bucks' greatest advantage during the regular season pre-shutdown was the fact that they had done such a good job of pacing their main contributors like Giannis and Brooke and Chris Middleton and keeping their minute totals low. And that advantage was, you know, essentially evaporated into nothing because of the shutdown. Yeah, that can't be helped. That just is what it is. And it's unfortunate it happened that way. But Bud knows what he's doing. He, he just does. Like, you don't win – as many games as he's won with this team with Giannis as the cornerstone as the featured superstar without knowing what you're doing and keeping the guys fresh and keeping the guys at a certain level of playing time and listening to the advice of the medical staff is crucially important. Um, This isn't, this isn't a playoff series yet. These games count. They don't matter yet. The games are going to matter at the end of this coming week when we figure out, when the entire playoff picture shakes out and the play-in thing is taken care of for all of the, you know, lower seeded teams, you know, once the Bucks actually get into a series, that's when you're going to want to let everybody loose and, you know, put the pedal to the metal because that's what you save up the energy for. We're not there yet. We're almost there. Yeah. I might need to pace myself as well doing these weekend pods. I'm getting a little bit excited as well, but uh, it's, it's fun to have basketball back, even though, uh, we hope they won. Uh, we would have hoped that they won the game tonight. Uh, you know, I'll be more concerned in two weeks if they're losing games because the Bucks have three games left until the playoffs start. I can hardly even wrap my head around that. It seems absolutely absurd to think about. But they did go down to the Mavericks tonight, one thirty-six, one thirty-two, in overtime. Giannis thirty-four points, Brook Lopez thirty-four points, and Chris Milton had twenty-one points and eleven assists. They are back on. Monday against the Toronto Raptors. So another really interesting game. And really, this is the last big uh, matchup-wise game before the playoffs start. We know they're going to finish with the Wizards and also the Grizzlies. So uh, those games, uh, not, 
not going to mean as much. Let's say that. And it'll be interesting to see what the Bucks do minutes-wise. Frank is going to be back on the pod tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure at some point free throws are going to come up. I hope he sleeps well tonight. I hope he's able to move beyond those seven straight free throw misses from Giannis. But ultimately, again, the positive is that the Bucks got through healthy and that's all we can ask for right now. Mitchell, it's Saturday night. It's midnight. I think you probably got better things to be doing right now than podcasting with me, but I appreciate you taking the message and coming on again. Always happy to help, Kane. Don't you worry one bit about it. I'm going to be up in probably about five hours because my youngest likes to get up at <laughs> 5 a.m., so that's where I'll be. All right. Like I said, start of a new week tomorrow, so we will be back as usual Monday to Friday. We'll be able to get some additional thoughts from Frank on this game against the Mavs, and then we'll look ahead to the Raptors who, uh, yeah, potentially an Eastern Conference Finals matchup once again uh, this year as the playoffs roll on. So for Mitchell and myself, we thank you for listening. We hope everyone's staying safe over the weekend and we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.